the real estate market is open. Ramos Design Build is Tampa Bay's premier construction company. This is a program where the real estate experts are live. Whether buying, selling, building, or designing, Ramos has the answers. Now, here's the area's best resource for all things real estate, James Ramos. This is the Move With Me radio program. I'm James Ramos. Excited to be here with Dan Maduri, talking about anything buy, sell, design, build, and furnish. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you think about uh, uh, all the different parameters in which uh, a, a house and what it represents to people, I mean, James, we've talked about this the previous couple of shows, just the idea of what the home represents to people and, and its direct relatability to you, your family, your lifestyle, how it is that you were up, uh, brought up and wanting to bring people back to the table. And, you know, people look at ho- uh, homes and you just think, you know, it is your number one asset, yes, of your family, of your family's uh, portfolio, most likely, but it's also you know where your kids are where where, yeah. where your relatives come it's where you have dinner where you, yeah, where, you, where you barbecue and, and you watch uh, football games or whatever it might be and and you really want to make sure that you preserve that number one asset of yours not only for financial reasons but for family reasons and, and you know James we were talking about this a little bit earlier you know just the idea of how the housing market here in the Tampa area and We'll be joined by Bill Savickas, uh, the director of Tampa Rent-A-House here in the next 20, 30 minutes or so. But uh, we talked uh, deeply about how it is somebody can approach and go about uh, purchasing a home, designing a home, building a home, and whether or not they go to uh, jamesramos.com and, and kind of figure that all out. But from, from an architectural point of view, from a household point of view, it is something special, isn't it? It's something special. When you look at the reasons why you want to live in a home, everybody has their reasons. But for the most part, it's like what you said. I mean, it's the, the kids are going to put their head on that pillow. And no matter how much money and things that you do outside of, of your home at work, whether it's a capital expenditure or something that you're actually doing or a decision that you may have as a manager in a company to spend money here or there. I mean, those decisions of what people buy and put in their home are so personal. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look at the population growth in the, in the state of Florida, I mean, how does somebody say, so, so, so say someone's looking at, uh, you know, Hillsborough County, for example. They're looking at Hillsborough County. South Tampa is kind of like the posh area, the place that people want to reside. There's obviously different different neighborhoods that reside within uh, South Tampa that, you know, are a little bit more exclusive, a little bit higher of a, of a price point. But if you're a person who's, you know, a, a young family looking to start out, um, you know, the price points of those houses are just, you know, you, you just laugh at them and it might as well be a trillion dollars because you got no shot to get it. Right. Um, how do you identify say that next neighborhood that not only is affordable, but uh uh-oh, in a couple of years, five, eight years, maybe 10 years down the road, we got something special and now we're in the neighborhood that is up and coming, that is in demand. How how does a young person or just a family in general, a person looking to purchase a home, enter into the housing market, how how do they decide and, and target individual neighborhoods that potentially have big big payoffs down the road? Well, the first thing I say is to find a great agent. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're doing a purchase of a home, for example, you're not going to have that many in your lifetime. You need an intermediary, which is a real estate agent. They're licensed. They know what they're doing. You need to do the background check on them and find out, you know, what type of services that they're going to provide to find you what you need. 
That's absolutely number one. Even though there's tools out there like Trulia and Zillow, Realtor.com, there's all types of websites and things. You need that person who's a professional that's going to walk you through. Because one thing is 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 finding the property if if you're lucky. The other thing is is taking the property from contract to closing. And there's a lot of steps in there. But you know, to answer your question, outside of finding a great agent. I mean, the important thing is the, is to write down exactly, you know, starting with your budget. I mean, what is it that you can afford? Yeah. You know, for the most part, you know, banks look at uh, 40% tops of what your your net income is to go toward housing. Um, that's pretty extreme. Um, I would recommend around 20. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, you know, the expense of, you know, let's say if you're making X amount of dollars and you have $2,000 to spend, you know, you either can A, rent. Um, not many people like to do it, although the rental market is is as strong as ever. Yeah. But if you want to go out and buy, you know, find that neighborhood that can actually support, um, you know, the pricing that's going to be in your budget. And there's some great neighborhoods out there. And yeah. it's a balance between, you know, where you want to live, the proximity of where your work is, the neighborhood, you know, all the amenities that are around that area. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I was going to say, uh, you know, obviously people, uh, they're, they're attracted first and foremost to the quality of schools that the neighborhoods do in fact feed Absolutely. to. But I, I, I told this to a buddy of mine the other day, and maybe I was wrong, and James, you obviously can correct me if I was wrong, because I was just kind of talking, you know, talking out of uh, out of myself. But uh, he was like, I'm looking to target, how do I do that? And I said, uh, you know what you should do? You, you should look. Call James. And, yeah, you should, I said, like, you should call James, number one. <laughs> and number two, you should go and you should find out where like the hippest, hottest new restaurants are all put like joining together right. and, and have that synergy and then go buy a place near there. Because if all the best restaurants are gathering in one certain area, well, then the housing market will, is sure to follow. Well, it's funny because, you know, some people are like, you know, I don't have any kids. They're all out of the house, but I still want to be in this great school district. And yeah. they're like, why? You can buy so much more if you're yeah. just a couple blocks away. They're like, no, I just want to be in this great school district just in case I'm going to sell. Yeah. You know, so it all depends on, you know, what your game plan is for the future. If you want to spend that extra money, all those things cost, you know, and I like to compare it to a building. If you're in a condominium building, you know, every floor above you is going to be a smaller, you know, it's going to be a small margin more than the one below. Yeah. You know, the better the view, the more the cost, Yeah. the better the neighborhood, the more the cost for the land. Yeah, exactly. And so when when you think about it in the context of that, um, when when you think about it, you know, I just want to sell. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was like, he's like, I had to sell, and I said, why? And he's like, because I know what I'm worth on paper based on what my part my based on what my apartment he had an apartment or condo, I guess what you say, right. what it's worth on paper. But I just don't believe it's worth anything unless I sell and I see that money in my bank account. And that was his logic and his driving force to sell. He didn't necessarily want to sell. Did he have something else to buy? Uh, yeah, he actually took the money that he made from his St. Pete condo and rolled it into like a a, a fifteen. 1000 square foot home in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh wow. <laughs> He goes, Dan. You, he goes, Dan. You'd be surprised. What is he going to do with that? Yeah, rent I, it? I, no, he's living there. He, I guess he's originally so from. He moved. He's yeah, he's originally from that well, area, and he was just like, you know, you'd be surprised what you can buy when you're not in Florida and you're not in like that Tampa St. Pete Clearwater description of fix and flip. <laughs> yeah, I was like, state like, to state. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh wow. So you went and you moved to Kentucky. Well, I guess okay. But do you agree with that logic? Like you're not worth any. Your house is you know on Zillow or wherever they might go and get to get their property evaluated. Yeah, on paper it says that, but you're not worth that until the I think moment it's a you little, cash out. That's a little extreme, you know. But I can understand. You know, some people are very cost conscious, yeah. and 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 conservative, and and to think that way is not so bad. You know, that's what how our forefathers thought. Yeah. You know, the more more debt that you have, the less you know, the less you're worth. So yeah. 
you know, but to to actually sell your home just to see the money in the account, you know, you're going to have to pay capital gains or maybe not you know, yeah. if it's your homestead. But, you know, you, you know, the key is to find that next property that you're going to move to. And a lot of people, you know, I, I talk to the agents in the, in, in the company, uh, the folks in the company about blue ocean, red ocean, and, and, you know, just a quick 30 seconds on this, but the majority of businesses in general, you know, focus on the red ocean, which is the people that are in need um, of something. So for example, you know, there's 5% of the folks out there that uh, are absolutely in need of a new home. Yeah. You know, they have to move or they have to buy because they're having a baby or expand or, you know, renovate or downsize or, or so forth. So we spend 95% of our resources, you know, for this 5% of the people. Mm-hmm. And this 95%, which is the blue ocean of the folks that are, you know, quite frankly, they're, you know, happy. Um, they don't really know any better Yeah. as far as, you know, they're not really interested in moving, mm-hmm. but they may, if they were to find something and they were to find a better opportunity and we don't really spend that much time. But, you know, like for example, big brands do a great job, you know, like Nike, for example, you may never run a day in your life, mm-hmm. but when you start running, if you ever start, you're going to go buy those <laughs> Nike tennis shoes. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. But, but um, absolutely. I think that, you know, when you look at real estate in general, if you are actually, you know, it's a lot of agents out there are actually sending letters to people that are living in homes. Homes are not for sale by no means. They're just, you know, the homes out there, they've seen that the home hasn't traded in the last 15, 20, 25 years. And they send that letter to the homeowner and say, Hey, you know, just wanted to let you know that inventory is at its lowest rate in the past year than it's ever been since 10 years. And, you know, if you ever want to move, give me a call and things like that. And you get a lot of callbacks. Yeah. You know, people are like, okay, well, I would sell, but where am I going to move to? Yeah. And for the most part, they've already raised their kids. They don't need to be in that great school district anymore. Yeah. And they can make their, you know, make some money and downsize and get you know, in a, in a much better situation and get that money and put it in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a great point. I was reading this morning about how, uh, nostalgia it's apparently it's, it's good for people to think, you know, fondly of their past and how it's, it's from a psychological mental health standpoint, nostalgia is a good, inherently good thing for an individual. But when, when you deal with somebody who is nostalgic about their home, who, you know, probably their their head and, 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 you know, their math skills tell them it's time to sell, but their heart is looking and saying, well, you know, that's the corner and where uh, little little Susie stood up for the first time. And that's the doorknob that we tied the string around and, and put it in a little Tommy's mouth and pulled his first tooth or their out. Or height measurements yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the so, side of the wall like, when how, the kids were younger. How do you, how do you just, deal you know, with that I, emotional uh, seller who I, knows they have to sell, but their their heart just won't let them do it. I don't put that many people in my car and show them around nowadays. But you know, I just it's so hard for me to relate to that. Yeah, the, the home <laughs> is where the family is. Yeah, you know, it's just a bunch of sticks and bricks. I mean, quite mm-hmm. frankly. But you know, then again, you know, I'm very conscious of when I when I throw my yeah you know, my ideas and my beliefs, because it does hit people hard, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, Hey, you know, okay, that's, that's what you believe in. And, you know, I, this is where she skinned her knee for the first time. And you don't understand that. Looking at the house is like, you know, a bunch of, you know, sheet rock and block and wood and a roof, you know, it's, it's where the, where the home is. And we've moved quite a bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we would, I mean, when we moved, 
a few times. I mean, the kids, we downsized. We would go to an apartment because we we're building a home and my kids were like, oh my God, look at this pool. And it's like the, the apartment's like 1,200 square feet. Yeah. You know, we're all on top of each other and the kids are looking at the pool in this rental complex and they're like, oh my God, this is great. Dad, yeah. you're the best in the world. Thanks for doing this for us. And I'm like, honey, this is great. We could just live here the rest, <laughs> of, our rest of our lives. If we weren't on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And half of our stuff is in a storage unit. Uh, yeah. But, but it, 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 it's it's hard for me to relate to that. You know, I mean, the family's where the, where the home is where the family is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could be in a, in an apartment and a hotel room. So don't, yeah, so it almost sounds sounds like you you don't believe that home is where the heart is. It's actually where the family is. It's where the family is. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting I mean, take. If, if you're in a house and you, and your family's not there with you, then you know how much of a home is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is the uh, Move with Me program with uh, James Ramos. I am uh, the co-host Dan Maduri. You can go to Ramos Design and Build and JamesRamos.com. When we come back, we'll talk about the rental market. Is it best to buy? Is it best to rent? Are you really wasting that rent money on rent, or is that just a strategic investment on your behalf? Move with Me program continues. Continue our conversation here with the Move With Me program with James Ramos. I'm Dan Maduri. You can go to Ramos Design and Build and jamesramos.com. Uh, Bill Savickas will be joining us. He's the director of the Tampa Rent-A-House. He'll be joining us around uh, 33 after, and we'll talk about some creative financing, ways to uh, access your IRA funds, and an ability to you know maybe get into the an investment property or, or to perhaps buy a property that you just need in, at that given time. So Bill Savickas, the, uh, one of the industry experts, will be joining us here in the next few minutes to discuss. But uh, James, when, when people... I had an interesting conversation with a buddy of mine. I was thinking, you know, just call James. I mean, I, basically, that's what it comes down to. Like, what, what do I know? You're the expert. What do I know? But Well, thank he, you very he, much. He was he was basically telling me he was saying, um, oh, how, how is it? Uh, he's like, I, I was arguing with my wife because we've been living in this rental property and it's nice and I enjoy it. But uh, we've been spending, I forget what it was, say like a thousand dollars a month for the past couple of years. And he's like, Dan, it's thirty six thousand dollars we've wasted on this rental property. And I don't know if someone can look at it in that context. I mean, do you view rent as honest to God, a waste of money? I don't always think so. You know, as far as some people who rent, it fits their lifestyle. You know, they could be looking at a promotion soon and they need to get to work early and they get to, you know, get out of work late and and get their hours in so they can get that promotion and they really don't need a maintenance headache, you know, with their home. Or they could be a couple who's recently divorced and, and, and they need to get their feet on the ground and, you know, before they go ahead and start buying something else. But I mean, I could tell you a lot of the athletes, you know, the, the agents with these athletes, they're recommending that these guys come, yeah. you know, come to Tampa rent, you know, don't go and buy a $5 million house right off the bat rent for a year, yeah. you know, at least, you know, hold back and kind of get an idea of where you want to live. Don't just go and, and buy what's available today and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, start spending your money. And a lot of them will come and, you know, rent nice homes, you know, some of these ball players and um, hockey players will go and rent downtown, rent a condominium or something and, and um, you know, get their feet on the ground, get the lay of the land and things like that. Yeah. You know, when my wife and I moved, uh, we've moved quite a bit. You know, when we would go into a city, I mean, that was the first thing that we would try to do. But in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, my God, you start calculating how much money you're going to yeah. lose and you're giving it to that guy, that, you know, <laughs> ugly landlord, you know, yeah. he's going to take all my money. You know, but at the end of the day, like your buddy, I mean, if he's paying a thousand dollars a month, 
and it's a nice place and it's suitable for him, yeah. then God bless him. Yeah. You know, let him pay, keep on paying a thousand dollars a month. I mean, some of these places you look at, they're great locations, you know, very few and far between. And you were just to say, look, I'll rent this thing for 99 years if possible. How about that? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for a discounted rate, it's a lot cheaper than paying the property taxes and maintaining the place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's funny that you, uh, you bring up sport that athletes and players and, and things of that nature. I was just reading how, uh, how OJ Simpson, he's moving to Florida. Well, his his son works in St. Pete. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if he called you up and was like, "Hey, hey, James, it's the juice. Like, I need you to find me a place." I would Steve. first ask him, "Why isn't he calling his son? <laughs> and why isn't his son working for Remax Baby Bay? <laughs> why isn't his son working for Remax Get some paparazzi outside of, paparazzi. outside of our office. Any publicity is good publicity, Gani. You'll see. You'll yeah. see. <laughs> James, what did you get us into now? <laughs> We have the juice running through our office, yeah, exactly. jumping over tables and chairs. Yeah, exactly. So um, when, when it comes to designing and building a house, I mean, one of the main things, um, you know, you hear people talk about is, you know, where, where do you put the money? If you don't have money to just do whatever your heart desires, I mean, wh- where do you put the money? Do you put it in the kitchen? Do you put it in the master? Do you put it in the living room? Do you put it in the fixtures? Do you put it in the, in, on the floors? Do you put it in the AC? Because God knows it's question. hot. I mean, like, I, where do you put the money? I'm a fact-based guy. And then you go... What I like to refer to as the appraiser, you know, so if you look at an appraisal, you know, every every home that's transacted that has some level of financing, you need an appraisal. And if you look at a certified appraiser, they're going to they're going to look at different parts of the house, um, like a pool is probably one of the least you know, valued items. So, for example, if you pay 50 grand for a pool, you get it appraised a week after it's put in, it's probably worth about 20, mm-hmm. you know, whereas with a kitchen, like you mentioned, if you do a kitchen and it's a $50,000 upgrade, it's probably going to be worth a lot more than the 50 you put in. So it's typically, you know, a kitchen, it's the master bath, um, and it's your layout, you know, and then it's the outside of the home, you know, and how, 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 um, mm-hmm. you know, the curb appeal yeah, and the landscaping and things like that are important. I mean, don't go crazy and start putting brick in your driveway because the taxing authority will find it and they will, um, assess you for it. Wow. What, 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 do you, what do you mean by that? What, what happens there? Well, the act of doing a permit, regardless of whether it's inside or out, I mean, one of the key pieces, it's not just, you know, for the, the city or the, you know, the county municipality to come out and make sure everything is done right, which mm-hmm. is, is, is a checkbox. You know, they're supposed to do that. One of the main topics or one of the desks that it hits is the property appraiser's office. So when they get a set of plans, you know, the property appraisers know that, you know, your home is going to be taken down or it's going to be renovated or it's going to be, you know, the driveway is going to be ripped up. That was concrete. And we're going to put a nice brick drive and things like that. You got to pull a permit. So they have folks that drive by and they actually check and make sure that, that this work is done. And they assess it in that following year. Wow. Your taxes are paid in arrears. Yeah. So you get your tax bill, your trim notice in September, which is the notice to say from that January prior is what your new tax bill is going to be. Wow. So they do, they do find out and they will walk through homes. Yeah. You know? So while they're under construction, if you're putting stone all over the floors and the walls and the ceilings and, uh, and things like that, and, and you're doing some, some very expensive things, regardless of whether it's in your plan or not, you know, yeah. typically- um, the taxing, the tax folks will walk through and they'll check box and they'll, and they'll look at your home and, and signify whether it's excellent or good or average. Mm-hmm. Um, and those multipliers are actually what they multiply by your square footage. Yeah. What do you think is the most like ridiculous architectural trend that you've seen over the course of your career? Was there anything that you just looked at ri- and said, why the is that The most ridiculous is probably the size of the homes yeah. that we're building with very little setbacks. And it's not like it's, you know, something that doesn't happen in every other city. I mean, people just want to maximize their land, Yeah, you know, but over the course of time, you know, you have these homes that are put up, whether the lot is really nice or 
not really nice, but for the most part, you know, when you have a new home on a lot, it's typically a nicer lot. And the home is just covering the whole thing. And you're, yeah. you know, you're an arm's length away from your neighbor mm-hmm. and, you know, it may not be suitable in that. In well, you that find that ridiculous because I was reading an article in Tampa Bay Times about this a couple of uh, months back and they're just talking about people just they want to maximize their square footage and, and they don't really care about grass or upkeep of landscaping. And all. so why do you think it's ridiculous people do that? Why do I think it's ridiculous? Because yeah. over the course of time, you have a bunch of homes on top of homes and you have a concrete jungle. Mm hmm. You know, so it's nice. To it's have. almost like they're all townhomes, but not really. Yeah. I mean, the, we <laughs> live in a 50s home right off of Bayshore and the s- side setbacks at the time when they built it in 55 was was over 12 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, now if I was to have to tear that house down, I would never do that because yeah. it doesn't make sense. You know, if somebody asked me to do it, mm-hmm. you know, I would, of course, do it. But if but if I was buying it to develop it and to sell it, the average person that I would be selling it to would be like, hey, why is there 12 feet on the side? What do you think? I'm going to put a batting cage here or something. <laughs> you know, I want this house to be bigger. Yeah. Or they'll say, why are you pricing it so high per square foot? It yeah. should be another thousand square feet, you know, things like that. So, you know, but you're developing and you're building speculatively for the mm-hmm. masses. Do you think um, that that trend will ever go away? Just the maxing out, like just the just... only way that that trend goes away is to have an overlay in a particular neighborhood. And in South Tampa, there's very few neighborhoods that have that overlay. Um, meaning, you know, there's there's the city municipality restrictions, and these are the setbacks from the front yard and the backyard and the sides, and how far you're going to be away from the, you know, the pool can be away from a telephone wire and things like the electrical wires. Um, and then you also can have an overlay, like for example, in Parkland. Um, neighborhood, they have an overlay. So there's there's a little bit deeper, you know, mm-hmm. where the home can start from the sidewalk in the front yard, a little bit uh, larger on the side. So it goes from seven to seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And over the course of time, it it it, it makes a difference. You know, yeah. when you drive through, you can't really see it from the eye, you know, but when you drive through and, and it generates a greater value for that particular neighborhood, there's, there's several neighborhoods like that, especially in the outskirts. You yeah. know, when you have a, when you have a development you know, the, a, a bigger development and, and things, you know, those developers are going to write the rules mm-hmm. as you, you know, like Lakewood Ranch, for example. Yeah. There's there's neighborhoods in Lakewood Ranch that are super high end, average, you know, good, better, best type of thing. Yeah. And you're going to see much larger setbacks in the super high end, smaller setbacks in the lower end and things like that. Yeah. And we'll continue our conversation here at the Move With Me program with James Ramos. Bill Savickas will be joining us next. The director of the Tampa Renta, director of Tampa Renta House Move With Me program continues. Continue our conversation here on the Move With Me program with James Ramos of Ramos Design and Build and jamesramos.com. Joining us right now in studio is Bill Savickas, director of Tampa Rena House. Bill, thanks for taking the time and joining us here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, Bill, thanks for being here, bud. Um, we were talking a little bit before we got started here. It's pretty creative ideas that you've that you've come up with. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got here. Sure, sure. I started investing in real estate over a decade ago, and it was kind of a, a natural progression way back in the beginning. I would buy a house, live in it for a short period of time, and then buy another house. And instead of selling the first one, just hold on to it and rent it out. Really, that's how I got started as a landlord. What type of price point did you start out at? I was buying houses in in the hundred thousand dollar range at that point. Just normal three bedroom, two bath houses. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what type of rent would you get? Say a hundred thousand dollar home. Yeah, yeah, we were we were getting about uh, nine fifty. Oh God, yeah. that's great. We look at homes that are, let's say, a million dollar home. For the most part, you're not going to get a ten thousand dollar a month rent. There, there's so a market for that, but it's hundred thousand dollar. Yeah, very, it's hard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, if you become more of a a mainline uh, investor in that three bedroom, two bath uh, range you're much more likely to find a clientele that will fill that for you quickly. And what I found is the proportion 
or, or the ratio gets better as the house gets cheaper. Right. Because you can buy, and, and again, it, it comes down to what neighborhoods you're working in, but in a $100,000 house, you might be able to get now eleven, twelve. Twelve fifty in rent in a fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar house, you'd still be able to find probably more nine, than ten, nine hundred, right? yeah, nine hundred, nine fifty. So but, it's the race to find these homes, right? And, and where were you buying them when you started? Well, as I say, initially a decade ago, I was buying them in neighborhoods that I wanted to live in. Oh, wow! And then okay. I, so I would buy the house, live in it for a year or two, and then buy another house, move down the street, for example, right? And, and yeah. then. And then rent After out the, the first two one. years, sure. Two and years and an again, hour, and again, yeah. I mean, I did it several times. Like the capital that. gains, sure. And then years had passed. I become a landlord and had some success with it, and decided I want to get a little bit more aggressive about it. And so uh, I had taken some real estate investment classes several years ago. The interesting thing about it was when I was sitting in the class, in my first class, the instructor asked everybody, how many classes have you taken? And there was a, a wide range. And, and it was anywhere from one, where I was, to five, six, seven, eight different courses, courses yeah. and classes in, in There's real so many investment. out there. There are. Yeah. And then he asked the question, how many of you had done some deals? How many of you have actually bought some properties? And I raised my hand because the week that I signed up for the class, I didn't even wait for the class. I just went out and bought a property. When I was sitting in the class and I was the only one to raise my hand and there was people who had taken five, six, seven classes and they hadn't done their first real estate right, transaction right. Yeah. yet, it became very clear that there's, there's some fear out there. The phenomenon of people becoming seminar junkies, for example, is, is a real thing. They, they want to educate themselves so much right. and there's so much fear that they're going to make a mistake. They never pull the trigger. And so what I found very quickly when, when, a break would come in the classes. Everybody would gather around me, and, and they wanted. Oh, they to know, were asking, yeah, because yeah, you were you the hero. Exactly. Um, well, what's interesting is, is there's so many classes out there, and and I'm on, you know, obviously with this web services and things that that some of these companies that look at, they look at your phone and they look at the apps that you have, they look at your browser, they look sure. at the activities with the cookies and stuff. So Absolutely. I'm constantly getting berated for this investment class or this course, mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody's at the holiday and this, that, or the other, you know, for the weekend. Mm -hmm. So what do you say about all those things? Well, I mean, the, they only have a value if you have the initiative to, to push, do it, to do yeah. it. Yes. Because the information is real uh, in most cases, you know, there's probably uh, a good supply of, of illegitimate things out there too. There's some content to be gained in, in a lot of these courses as well. If you actually take the step to do it, you can you can put it to work. Yeah, we're talking to Bill Savickas, director of Tampa Rena House. This is uh, the Move With Me program with Dan Maduri and James Ramos. Uh, when you uh, look to buy, you know, you, you bought a house, you lived in it for a little while, then you moved down the street and you rented that property out and, and bought a new place. Um, in the ideal world, I mean, are, are you paying cash for these properties? Are you going to a bank and saying, hey, this is a long-term plan. I need a long-term partner. I mean, talk about just how does somebody, Absolutely. I mean, once you have these great ideas and these great plans, I mean, who wouldn't like to be a landlord in, in this rental market? I mean, it's just right. fantastic. So, but how do you, how, how do you come up with the financing of it all? Well, in the beginning, I was doing conventional financing, and that and that basically is just using a bank for a loan, a regular mortgage loan. And then when I got a little bit more sophisticated and started doing this on a more regular basis, I haven't taken a bank loan on a property in, in 10 years. And the reason for that is that there's a lot of private funding out there, and, and this whole term 
creative finance that is so elusive to so many people. It's a matter of getting a little bit of education and figuring out how that all works. But for the most part, I yeah. Help. Many people think creative finance. Oh God, what's the yeah. interest rate? Well, you know, what's the term? And, and really, it's two percent for the first year and forty-eight percent for the next. And as, a, as an investor, you've really got to recondition your mind to think in terms of it doesn't matter what something costs. It's what am I going to make on that investment? Because you can make a lot of money by using a lot of money, or you can make no money by using a little bit of money. And I know that's kind of a... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's ROI. Exactly. I mean, so just as it's hard to find the property, is it hard to find these investors or well, people with the money? Where, that's where somebody like me is a, a good person to speak with because I can make those connections. You know, I've, I've found a network of people uh, who actually have excess money hanging around and are looking for something to do with it. And I'm sure that in your listening audience, there's also some of these people who are like doctors and lawyers and professionals who, who have a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of time. And so there's a lot of ways to become a real estate investor without actually buying properties. Somebody who has, for example, $100,000 sitting in, in a bank account somewhere right. or in, in a- you That know, would love to leverage an exactly. agent or somebody with knowledge exactly. like you to help with the financing. And, and so the we, would, together. we would find the properties and they could invest in that property by writing a, a mortgage note on it, private funding. And in that scenario, we could help them to perform much better than say if they had their money in a, in a CD at 3% or just sitting there in a, in a savings account, right. worst case scenario at half a percent or 100%. And even if they had it in a stock portfolio that was getting seven, eight, percent, which is pretty pretty healthy. But at a minimum on, on these deals with real estate, we, we can help somebody to find a 10% return and sometimes 11, 12 and more. And so it's professionals and people who might have a little bit of a money to invest, but don't have any time or any inclination or knowledge to get started. That's where I put out my hand and I say, you know, follow me, I'll show you how to do it. And sort of like move with me in yeah, the, the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and a lot of people, they gain some confidence that way and they gain some, uh, some knowledge by actually partnering with somebody who has done it before and can learn how to become an investor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we talk about it a lot. When you look at investments and you look at real estate, for example, it's a tangible asset. And if folks do wanna diversify their portfolio, it's nice to have the ability to drive by you know, to see, correct, to actually touch, you know, what you're investing, to have a connection in Tampa sure. that has been doing this for year over year. And Absolutely. then do you match them with agents, you know, to help a find the times, property? We don't, we don't really use agents all that much unless we're doing a fix and flip, which is a, a rehab and then bring it to retail market. In those cases, we'll use an agent to sell the property right. because it's much more effective and, and they can find, they have a client base to, to buy on the retail level. But as an investor, you're dealing more with wholesalers. And, and again, it's a different set of players. So in, in theory, you could be selling it before you even bought it. Absolutely. Okay. And, and So that's where you get the ROI. Sure. So you may be paying higher points on the money. Potentially. Are you paying over 10%? Sometimes. Sometimes I've had deals that make sense where I've paid up to 16% uh, to borrow. Are you paying a point or two at closing? Sometimes. Okay. So, so it all depends on and again, the availability of the it, money again, and how fast you can dispose of it. how fast you can dispose yeah. of it. Okay. And again, the equation is not how much something costs. It's how much am I going to make by going through the steps. And these are the types of things where uh, you'd want to partner with somebody 
initially. How is that investor protected? By the real estate. Okay. Yeah. So it's backed up. You know, so for he's, example, it's, it's backed. He has the first mortgage. Ac- the first absolutely. Rate. Okay. Absolutely. It's different than owning shares in a stock, for example, because that could just dissipate. You know, real estate, unless it goes into a sinkhole, it's going to be there, right? It, yeah. It's a physical asset and it, it's there. If, for example, there was any default in the situation, then the lender, in the, in the example that we were talking about, where somebody uh, comes with money and funds the deal, they are basically playing the role of the bank. If there's a, a default, they own the property. Right. You know, they just, they foreclose. They don't have to foreclose. Yeah. yeah. Go through the proceedings. Sure. Well, we're talking to Bill Savick, the director of uh, Tampa Rent-A-House. This is the Move With Me program. Uh, you know, I, I was reading and, and people, they, they're talking about when you when you want to look to, you know, purchase a property, to rent it out, but you want to maintain your own house. What's the best way to go about that? I mean, when you look at it, do you buy a house and have the land attached to it uh, and just have one home? Or if you could spread your money across, say, three or four apartment complexes instead, uh, apartment apartment uh, uh, units instead, would you rather have that? So the single house or, or, or three apartments? Absolutely. It's a, a great question. The answer is, what's your comfort level with each of those scenarios? And, and how are you leveraging yourself? Real estate, especially if you're doing it from a rental perspective, it's a volume game. And you know, if you build up a decent portfolio, whether it's 10 single family homes or a series of duplexes and triplexes, there's a little bit different structure with each scenario. The single family home is is a very clean and seamless transaction in most cases. And one thing I would recommend to anybody who's getting started in investing in real estate is to have a strong team of professionals to work with. Make sure you have a very good title agent that can process these transactions for you because there are some title agents out there that just do conventional deals, right. You know, people who are buying yeah. their residence. And then there are title agents out there who are experienced in processing the transactions for investors. The other thing that you'd want to have is a good contractor. And and that's even more difficult to find in some cases. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to have somebody who can come in and do some general repairs and maintenance for you, whether it's on a rental house or if you're doing a complete rehab, it's imperative to have somebody decent to, to do that work for you. For sure. As an investor, a lot of times we have the inclination in the beginning to get in there and do all the work ourselves. And I did that on my, my first couple of homes that I bought when I really got aggressive about Uh, becoming a real estate investor. And it took me so long to do that work personally. And I did, and I realized afterwards that I had lost months of potential rent income because it took me longer. And I was trying to save a few dollars by doing it myself as opposed to paying a professional to do it. He would have got it. He would have got it done in two weeks. I took, I took four months. Yeah. I I lost three months of income. Yeah. Yeah, That's big. That's big. So, you know, don't pick up a hammer and nails, Mm -hmm. pay a professional to do it, get it done fast. And, and start collecting uh, the income from that property. That's a good conversation. Well, we'll be back in a moment. We're here with Bill Savickas from Tampa Renta House. Looking forward to catching up with some of these other questions that we have for you. Sure. And Bill, do you have a website, uh, Twitter handle, anything like that? Um, the best way to get in, get through to us is uh, at our email address, which is manager at tamparentahouse.com. Very good. Bill Savickas, thank you very much for taking the time. We're back here with the Move With Me radio show, host James Ramos, that's me, and Dan Maduri. We're actually talking with Bill Savickas from Tampa Rent-A-House. So we had some good conversation in the first portion and wanted to ask you the Tampa Bay market, Bill. I mean, tell me about it. I mean, I'm I'm 
so excited about this market and where we're at, where we've come. This is a great um, place to tell be me right about now. Uh, from a from a uh, investment perspective, and from even if you're uh, just a residential home buyer to live because this market is on fire right now. As a matter of fact, I've, I've seen uh, articles where Tampa Bay is, is rated in the top 10 investment real estate markets, not only in the country, but in the world. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that right now. And if you take a look at it on a kind of more macroeconomic scale, uh, living in this, in this city and in this market, we've seen a tremendous amount of infrastructure investment and change over the past decade. And a good indication of a city that's going to be a good place to invest is when you see highways and and things like that oh, being yeah. improved. When you especially see, the airport, absolutely the amazing. Uh, how fast what, it is. When and you efficient. see those types of uh, investments by either corporate or government agencies, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that the that the area is is being uh, prepped for growth, and. In addition to just the observing that, there's also an influx of big companies coming into Tampa. This is not a a single industry town like some like like Detroit, for example, with the, the with the automobile manufacturing. Yeah, there's not one industry no. that will take us down. No, no, we've got education here. We've I mean, got the majority of our here. street signs are attorneys. Exactly. <laughs> we've got. We've we don't got, know who they work for. But. We've got uh, uh, tourism here. We've got the base here. There's so many things, uh, universities, and and this is just a breeding ground for for the hospitality industry. Think of all the restaurant companies that have uh, come out of the Tampa Bay area that that were uh, formed here and then have gone nationwide. All right, so tell me this. Yeah. So let's say I'm an investor, or I want to be an investor. Mm-hmm. This is a want to be an investor. You know, I've been to one too many dinners and socials where I've heard. So and so just sold their house and made twenty five grand, or sure. flipped it and made seventy five. You know, and you look back and you know pre recession, you remember those days where there was you know the bankers or mortgage officers would just get a pulse on the guy and mm-hmm. and and loan him a hundred, couple hundred grand. Yeah. So you think back to those times and you're kind of skittish, right? So so you want to get in this market. So what do you recommend? I mean, where do you start? You, you start by getting a little bit of education and forming uh, some partnerships and or uh, aligning yourself with a mentor or a coach that can teach you how to do some of these basic strategies. And, and, and I have these conversations all the time where I sit down across the table from somebody, even at a Burger King and just, you know, kind of with a pen and paper sketch out, you know, how does this work? And, and so uh, there's even some content and education that we had that way. But uh, I mean, do you, do you go into a market that you know? Absolutely. And you just farm it and, and yeah. study it. And I mean, if you don't have access to MLS, you probably call sure. an agent, you know, sure. somebody that, that you can rely on. Well, it, there's driving the streets and being familiar with uh, what's out there. And you can do a lot of online searches now, too. That's one thing about technology is you can go on and, and find out the values of homes in any neighborhood, in any market. And what they're renting for, with you know, all the the online, the Zillows and and uh, websites like that will be very helpful. Um, and so you can do your own research and get a comfort level with what things are buying and selling for, what they're getting for rents, and and then just go out and start looking at at, at properties. And as odd as it may seem, I know everybody drives around and sees these uh, investor home signs, and right, these little yeah. signs on the corners of the streets, the ones that, on that, main and second, exactly. The ones that code <laughs> enforcement comes and cleans up every yeah, week. Yeah. Um, 
And the worse they're written, the more enticing they are. Sometimes. You know, the more professional it looks, nobody yeah, wants the call, right? Yeah. Those are what we refer to as It's like a three-year-old write it yeah. for you, and then it'll, you know, you'll get more calls. Those, those are the guys in this, in this business that we call wholesalers. Right. Okay. What they do is they pull the properties out of uh, foreclosure or short sale situations, okay. and they, they get them under contract. They never intend to buy the properties. They just get them under contract. And so then, what would be a, like a $100,000 home? What would be their flip fee, for example, that you would have to pay to have the opportunity to get sure. that contract The way that works is if they've got a $100,000 house under contract, um, they're probably going to want to make anywhere from three to $10,000 okay. in, in order to- And then what would be a good deal? What would be that house? How much would that house need to be worth if I was going to pay a hundred plus- Sure. The three to ten. It depends on how much work it's going to take to uh, resell it uh, into a retail environment. Okay. Okay. Um, typically, so you add up the renovation costs. Absolutely. Okay. All of that goes into the equation, and so you know. If I mean, do you need a forty percent margin or forty percent is 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 probably where you want to have your basis. So doubling it to forty percent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because. You want to make sure there's enough there in case the market moves in the time that you're working on it. Uh, and typically, when I do, when I've done um, uh, rehab and like a fix and flip, is how everybody refers to it, is my goal is always to have it done in four or five months, uh, and that's a full rehab. Um, and that way, there, if there's any private lending on it and so forth, we can get in and out of that money fast too. Uh, and that might be getting a little bit complicated for your average uh, new investor. And that's why they'd want to have a conversation or partner themselves with somebody who's done done some work. Well, shoot, I'd love to bring you in front of the REMAX agents. Um, we own REMAX Beta Bay. We're in two counties. Mm -hmm. We have four offices. We have over 100 agents. And one of the things that I wrote in this recent book that we launched in January was, you know, the amount of time that the agents spend searching for property for their clients in a non-equity type situation sure. is, you know, 98 to 100% at times yeah. um, of their spend. And the fact of them looking into investing for themselves, finding creative financing and things like that, sure. I would love to have you come and speak. But I think, you know, for, you know, obviously I'm biased. Um, I would, I'd like to lean on agents to, you know, especially folks that are familiar with particular areas sure. and going to them and saying, Hey, you know, and this would be my recommendation to the audience, you know, go say, Hey, look, I have a hundred grand. I have 200 grand. I have 50 grand, whatever it may be. And I want to, and I want to invest it in real estate, something that's tangible that I can touch and see and feel. And I kind of like this area because at the end of the day, I know that I can swing by there and manage it and things like that. Sure. And, you know, for the most part, if, you know, we have a large you know, quite large. We have over two, 300 properties in property management, um, which means the agent has the ability to tag along with that owner and manage the property There's from, a, always a you know, use after the sale. Sure. Um, and it's, it, it, it takes time, it does. you know, and the agent makes, it makes their living. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and property management is something that you want to look into as you're building your rental portfolio too. Are you are you managing the properties? I self manage a lot of them. Um, I I have used property management companies in the past, and you can typically um, typically you'll find a property management company that will do that There's work for ten percent yeah, yeah. of the of the rental. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's, that's what standard. we charge. That's very standard. 
Well, great, Bill. I appreciate your time. This is Bill Savickas with Tampa Rental House. Contact him. It's manager at tamparentahouse.com. This is James Ramos and Dan Maduri with the Move With Me radio show. Looking forward to speaking with you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed all of the program or want to hear it again, listen to the podcast on jamesramos.com or on YouTube at Ramos Media Network. See you next week with Ramos Design Build, Tampa Bay's premier real estate design, build, and construction company.